happy mothering moms. My name is Erica Rosebloom, and you're listening to Mortification of Pin, the show where Pinterest meets podcasting, as I talk about my mothering journey. Today, we're talking about keeping your children safe. It's a dangerous world out there, and as a Christian mother, you need to be preparing your children to stay away from that world as long as humanly possible. My name is Chad Matthias Rosebloom III, and I'm not allowed to play in the contaminated death zone of child-snatching danger. Most people just call it the outside, dear. If a Christian mother is going to keep her little boy safe, he needs to have healthy boundaries. So, for example, we have times that Chad here is not allowed to play outside. After dark, and also before dark. Of course, you don't want your child to be scared of the world beyond his door. You want him to be petrified. Can I spend the night at a friend's house? Only if you want to be murdered, dear. Is every person who's not in our family a murderer, Mommy? Oh, of course not, honey. Some of them are Satanists and drug dealers, arsonists and abductors. Evil wizards? Those are called warlocks, darling. But I want to make friends, Mommy. Oh, and that's why Mommy is your best friend, dearest. And, by extension, Daddy. I love my Mommy. That's right, dear. And my Daddy. And my sister, Ricky. And we don't talk about Ricky, darling. Is she a warlock? Of course not, dear. The correct term for a girl is witch. Of course, some critics of the homeschool movement say it can create proud, insular children. But there's an easy way to combat that. You just don't listen to them. Am I proud and insular, mommy? No, Chad. You're exceptional and adorably devoted to your mother, just like you always will be. Two plus two equals purple. Of course, your little birdies aren't going to stay in the nest forever. But with hard work and dedication, you can make sure they do it till they're 35 or 40 at least. My best friend is mommy. The more time he has with his mother, the healthier he'll be. You can work hard to inculcate him with good, healthy, happy family values. Hey, Chad, buddy, you ready to go? Oh, sorry there, honey bear. Didn't see you were recording. Oh, that's okay, darling. You can apologize profusely and back away. Well, sure, hun, but remember, I was going to take the old uh, Chadster fishing this morning. And, you know. Yay, fishing! You are absolutely not taking him fishing this morning, dear. Oh, honey, he doesn't want to be cooped up in here on a Saturday morning. Of course he does. Don't you, Chad? I want to go fishing with Daddy. Fine, Matt. And why don't you rub Ebola all over him while you're at it? Well, uh, that's a feels like a little bit of a, a leap there, Rosebud. Well, I'm sorry, dear, if I don't see the value in my little boy getting a hook jammed in his eyeball while trying to murder dirty water vermin. Well, again, honey bear, I think you may be exaggerating just a, a tad there. The, uh, you know, the ramifications of, uh... Besides, he needs time with his father, doesn't he? I believe he gets a sufficient amount of time with his father. Well, I only see him a couple minutes before bedtime and... Oh, I see what you did there and, uh, frankly, it hurts a little bit. I want to go fishing with Daddy! <sighs> Very well, dearest. But your father will put sunscreen on your arms and the back of your neck every hour on the hour. Well, uh, sure. And he'll be sure that you wear your hat and sunglasses. Well, <laughs> I mean... And there won't be any drinking on this fishing expedition, will there, Matthias? Well, you know, honey, I, I mean, the old brewski is kind of a bit of a tradition, you know. Felony. Uh, yes, it's a felony to drive drunk with children in the car. Well, 
that wasn't exactly the word. <laughs> you won't let him touch any fish or other wildlife, of course. And you'll make sure he doesn't look at the sun. And of course, the boat will have to be inspected. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I just remembered. I left some work at the liquor store. Don't you mean office, dear? Oh, yeah. Of course, office. <laughs> I meant office, of course. Sorry, Chadster the Radster. Maybe some other time. Love and marriage. Love and marriage. <laughs> yes, sir. They go together. Yes, sir. I wanted to go fishing with Daddy. But wouldn't you rather podcast with Mommy? I guess so. Besides, dear, if you leave Mommy's sight, do you know what might happen? What? Mommy might die. I don't want Mommy to die. What if Mommy died and you weren't there because you went with Daddy? And you knew all your life that Mommy was sad because you went with Daddy instead of her. And then she... died. Don't die, Mommy! Oh, darling, Mommy's not going to die. She's going to watch you forever and always and ever. Yay! Well, friends, good boundaries and a healthy family life. It's all part of how we protect our children. I'm Erica Rosebloom for Mortification of Pin. Until next time, moms, remember, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be as good as me. You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey everybody, welcome to Sound of Sanity. Nathan Aberson here. Ben Soldier there. I'm here. Jake Menzel, pastor there. Here. Hey, guys, today, let's just get right to it. Why not? We are on the cutting edge of 2019 end of the year going into 2020 want to talk about something that's on everybody's minds and hearts trending on everywhere the world over you can't take a water cooler break without people talking about divergent today's episode is about the divergent series of ya novels wow so we're just going to be movies, isn't it? And movies. And movies. Yeah. Nathan, do we really have to be like everyone else and just talk about what everyone else is already constantly talking about in every every major news media outlet, every Christian podcast, everyone every has, non-Christian podcast, they're already talking about you know, divergence right take. now. What? Okay, fine. <sighs> ben, I just feel like, you know, sometimes, you know, a, a Kanye or a divergent comes along and, and you just have to do your take, right? I mean, I, I guess so. sure, everybody's doing it, but- you know, are we going to hold our noses? Be too good for Divergent? No, we're not. <laughs> Folks, that's enough self-deprecation. This episode is going to be great. And it's not going to be a hot take on Divergent because that'd be silly because no one cares. <laughs> they didn't even finish the movie series. They did like two or I three of the mo- No, they did. They but, did three. Yeah. And then they announced instead of adapting the last book for a big budget movie, we're going to de- do a TV show without the original cast nice. you want to come back. And then, <laughs> and then I think the TV show ended up on ice. So awesome. people cared so little about Divergent and that the movies made less money than they needed to. And then they didn't even finish the they, series. They got progressively worse reviews as they went on. That's what I know about them. Yes. And I think Shalene Woodley or whatever her name is, yeah. the, the girl that she mm-hmm. plays as uh, John Divergent or whatever her name is in the story. Right. She... John Divergent. (laughs) Joan Divergent. Johnny Q Divergent. Uh, This is my story. This is my story. Uh, She, I don't think it looks back on the experience with any kind of fondness, but Hmm. I don't really know. I haven't read Divergent and this episode is not really about Divergent. This is about an experience. Every once in a while, while, folks, we like to give a little, little window into the life of one Jake Menzel. We just tear open Jake's chest and 
look at that heart that beats in there. And then we so big. Then we take a hammer and we crack open his skull. It's bleeding. And we look at the thoughts that go through that brain of Jake's. It takes about 10 seconds. It takes about 10 seconds with a good hammer. It's like <laughs> walnut. Uh, to crack it open or to see your thoughts? To see the thoughts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jake, you had an experience. What we're really talking about is discernment and protecting your kids and stuff like that because of an experience that you had regarding the Divergent novel. Yeah. So, I mean, here, here's what happened. Uh, my oldest son, he's 11. He came home from school one day with a Divergent novel. He goes to Lighthouse Christian Academy. It is a school that's sort of renowned for being conservative. So basically when the Trump administration was school choice and all this stuff was, was, was a big debate and Lighthouse Christian Academy, our Christian school here in town, the one that Peter Menzel goes to, became a lightning rod, to use a term that hack news writers like to use, because their admissions brochure says it reserves the right to deny admission to LGBT students because their lifestyle is prohibited by the Bible. Now, there's lots of Christian schools all over our fine country that have things like this, but LCA, for whatever reason, became the example that everybody was fighting about take this a little bit further the principal and assistant principal of the school go to our church right we have a number of teachers in that school that go to our church which if you're listening to this show it's the only reason to say that is it's just a pretty conservative school so my son comes home with a book from the school library that looked cool to him and it's called divergent Mm. and you know, it's hard when you've got five kids going to a school to track absolutely everything that they're doing and ev- everything they're reading. And if, if it's in a school library, classroom library, it's the kind of thing they can pick up. They can read during study hall. They can keep it in their backpack. They can keep it at school. So Peter, my 11-year-old, comes home with this book that you know he picked up because he thought it looked cool. And it's called Divergent. It's just in the school library or a classroom library. I'm not sure which. The kind of thing that he could have picked up and just been keeping in his backpack or the locker or on the shelf and reading during study hall or whatever. And I think picked it up rather innocently. He just started it. He was in the first chapter, but my wife noticed him reading it and had the thought, hey, maybe I should look that book up. May, may, I feel like maybe I've heard a thing or I don't know if there's a thing or what, or I just don't know what that is. I'm going to take a minute and look this up. And so she did. Yep. And I have provided us with the review from PluggedIn.com, the Focus on the Family website that has all the kind of content. You got like your nudity quotient, your violence quotient, all this kind of stuff for the book. And I just thought we'd read a little bit of what the lovely Amanda Menzel read when she looked this up. Tris sees two initiates kissing in the dining room. She is embarrassed because abnegation does not, that's a dude, by the way, does not condone public displays of affection. Al likes Tris and tries to put his arm around her, but she rebuffs him. Abnegation is a faction in the... Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like... Thank you for... Is he really... Okay. I'm so like, sorry, I... folks. <laughs> oh, man, the episode My five... goodness. Ben it's, narrowly avoided the episode. It is a good thing I have gone to Wikipedia and read about Divergent. <laughs> right. The right, train so was about to fly off the rails, it was but about Ben, to go. like Superman, swept <laughs> in. Thanks, it's ben. what I do. All right, so the review continues. Tris comes out of the shower wearing only a towel and encounters Peter, Molly, and Drew in the dormitory. She barely has time to grab her dress before Peter pulls her towel away. Although she is able to hold the dress in front of her, they see her naked body from the back and laugh at her. After Triss is ranked first, other initiates kidnap her. They blindfold her and grope her before attempting to throw her over a ledge into the rapids. Mm. Triss and 
four secretly is begin... Is that a faction a, or a, a person? <laughs> what Nathan, is this for? I, context clues, Nathan. Context clues. <laughs> secretly begin a dating relationship and kiss. Tris and four sneak out to see Erudite. That's a faction. Headquarters at night. And while they're on the train, she straddles his lap and they kiss. This is gross to read. Christina tells Tris that she and Will kissed and are now dating during Tris's final test of her right, fears. This, this paragraph goes the, on, but... It, this is all... These are all, like, individual... It starts to get... In case you can't tell, it's all just little bits. Vi- well, but this paragraph oh, starts yeah. to get pretty gross and explicit. Yeah. It includes words about... like undress her, sex with a simulation, Virtual sex. simulation. Yeah. Yep. You've got some kissing and some sexual tension, including the idea that... There's maybe characters a rape or quasi. Sims, there, yeah, there's, there's sexual assault. There's happening. sexual assault. There's some nudity implied or just written about. And then there's the idea that these characters have simulated sex and then they don't actually want to have real sex yet. It's like where the hero and the heroine. Well, she doesn't, but he, he does. And he has other experiences with other people. So, not that unusual for a YA novel, I guess. Although, apparently, doing my research, the uh, sexual assault scene is pretty. The uh, feminists weren't happy. It, it kind of made some made some waves in the nerd communities. So be that as it may, uh, we should say the author claims to be a Christian. Yeah, I guess that's what she says. And this book ended up in a Christian library at a Christian school, where a young Christian named Peter Menzel, eleven years old, innocently picked it up, brought it home. All this sex stuff ended up in the Menzel home. And our question for Jake is. Why are you falling down on the job? <laughs> Do you hate your son and just want him to be a corrupt sex I, he pervert? He doesn't hate him. I don't think he cares really. He just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not so much Jake's immorality as his lack of anything approaching morality. <laughs> He's more amoral at the end of the day. Yeah, right. <laughs> he just doesn't consider the fact that he needs to be a father to his son at all. Jake, what gives? How does something like this end up? And you're, you're a pastor. You're you're like one of the heroes of Sound of Sanity. Like, people listen to you to as, as a guiding Nathan's light. going to count on you to protect his children someday, but you can't even protect your own. Right. How's that going to work? Well, look, here's the thing. At the end of the day, I, what this really does illustrate is that you can't, in fact, protect your kids. You can put your kids in the best Christian school around. Something's going to make it to the light. We, you know what happened? We just told some people at the school about the book in the library and they were like oh thanks we didn't know we don't even know how it got in the library yeah maybe somebody was culpable maybe somebody wasn't you have an author who is a self-professed christian writing fiction these teachers are desperate to help encourage these kids to read they don't read and check up not everybody checks up on everything all the time and we certainly don't i mean how could you even stock a library if you weren't gonna take a couple calculated risks like that. You can't read every book that's going to go into a children's library. Yeah, so here's the point. The point isn't that we need to freak out, be hyper-controlling. The point is that we need to realize that, you know what, at the end of the day, you can't really protect your kids from everything because they're going to go and innocently pick up a book, ostensibly by a Christian author, at their conservative Christian school. They're going to start reading it, and then they're going to, you know, your 11-year-old's going to be reading, if you're not careful, about simulated sex and virtual sex and groping and implicit rape and by the way we should say this Mm -hmm. this particular tragedy was avoided yeah yeah he was only in the first chapter anybody was wondering and and we were just able to tell him you know hey we we looked up that book and read about it it's got some bad stuff in it you need to take it back to school and give it to your teacher we're gonna tell the teacher that we don't think that this book's necessarily appropriate to be in a what was it fifth grade or sixth grade Uh something like that Mm -hmm. classroom and so we did, and that was that was the end of that. But to pretend like that there aren't other books, there aren't going to be other books, or the fact that, you know what, 
uh, forget books. He's got classmates that have cell phones and bring their cell phones to school. How are we going to protect our kids against absolutely everything? Homeschooling. Problem solved. Yeah, well, there you go. Because there are absolutely no problems or sins or anything in our home. That <laughs> Just make sure there aren't any sins in your home. And then just be perfect. keep them home. Yeah, that's great. Hmm. That's good. That is a good solution. We just cut out the outside world altogether Mm -hmm. and then have no sin on my part or Amanda's part or any of their siblings. Mm -hmm. Then they can grow up in a perfectly (laughs) sinless, sterile environment. Then they'll be fine because there's no sin in them either to corrupt them. That's good. That sounds great to me. Yeah, because it's all (laughs) outside. Like John Locke, you know, it's all outside influences. Mm -hmm. Tabla rasa. Rosa. Every kid's tabla rasa. And, you know, it's just shaping. It's all... It's all... Nurture, no nature involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so obviously, you know, the point isn't that we make excuses for Lacks ourselves parenting. to be to, to be lazy and to not mm-hmm. be engaged. But at the end of the day, it's impossible to be engaged with absolutely everything. We do the best that we can. But our goal at, in the way that we parent and raise our kids is not to raise kids that are safe. It's to raise kids that are strong. It's to raise kids that are able to be discerning and to resist temptation. And that's not to say that we put them in front of temptation and say, resist this temptation. What we do is we teach them to run away. Right. <laughs> like Joseph. Or like Paul tells Timothy, flee from temptation. Flee from lust, youthful lust. So when you hit something like that, you should be have the strength not to stand and muscle through it without somehow letting it work its way into your heart, but recognize it for what it is and close the book. Turn away from the phone. And I think one of the problems that we have is... And, and this is a theme that we hit a lot on, mm-hmm. is we o- are always looking for the places in our lives where we can just shut off our discernment and not be discerning and not be engaged and not cultivate that same discernment and faith in our kids. And so, you know, we pick the really the right strong, smart Christian school, then we don't have to think about what's being taught, what's on the bookshelf in the library or whatever. And we do, we have to be engaged with that, but we also can't be freaked out about that. Stuff's going to happen. Kids are going to see things. Kids are going to read things. Kids are going to be told things. Some of those things that they see and hear and read and are told by their peers, by their teachers, it's going to be bad. And we have to have faith for our kids to be subjected to some bad stuff. And we got to help them be strong and resist temptation and to have faith and to have real discernment. And part of that's being engaged. And part of that's also just understanding this is just the way stuff is. We live in a sinful world, and so we can't shelter our kids from sin. In fact, if we did, we'd leave them completely unprepared to face the world on their own. Oh, my stars! <laughs> oh, this hasn't happened for a while. Oh. <laughs> the devil's advocate alarm went off. Man. Ben? Yeah? Why don't we team up? I should explain. The devil's advocate alarm, part of the show where the devil's advocate alarm goes off, and then somebody has to play the devil's advocate and try to disprove or argue against what we just said in this case what jake just said right so ben i thought maybe you and i would could team up oh yeah double devil yeah double devil down on jake do it i I think i said about everything that there was to say so (laughs) you can pick it apart but i'm just gonna keep saying the same thing but maybe i'll be able to well jake harry and you can weep tears of sadness when we wipe the floor with your paltry arguments (laughs) all right let's do it you can crawl into the hospital (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> leaving a bloody streak behind you as, as me and Ben wash Jake blood from our hands. <laughs> gonna be We're brutal. not arguing with you. We're just going <laughs> to try and beat you up. Um, okay. 
Ben? Nathan? Uh, go ahead. <laughs> Me? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I don't know. Okay, I'll start. Well, yeah, I mean... Yeah. All right, here's the thing, Jake. Yeah. Sounds good, I guess. I mean, I'm willing to go with... Yes, we should have faith. Yes, we can't protect our kids. But on the other hand, it kind of sounds like you have a little bit of a blasé attitude about all this stuff. I mean, shouldn't we be actually... Like, you would never say, I'm going to let my kid get a little bit of disease or play in a little bit of feces so that they can build their immune system because actually they need a good immune system. No, but I would say let them play outside so they can build up their immune system. Yeah, but if you saw any danger outside, if you saw that they were going to get hit by a car, if if there were predators in your neighborhood... Being hit by any... (laughs) Being hit by a car is not just any danger. Like, there are risks, right? If I let my kids ride their bike in the street, could they get hit by a car? Right. Yeah, they could. Oh, no, I shouldn't let them ride their bikes in the street. Garbage. No, they should be able to ride their bikes in the street. They need to be taught to be careful. They need to be taught to look both ways. They need to be taught to get out of the way if a car is coming. All of those things are part of letting a kid grow up, letting a kid experience life, letting a kid experience danger and mature in the process. But, okay. Yes, I'm going to let my kid... I'm not going to let my kid roll around in dog feces. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to let my kid play outside and yes there might be dog feces that they roll around in okay well you know what yeah i think jake what concerns me and i'm not a parent yet i hope so someday but what concerns me in what you're saying is like seems like you're a little checked out basically like there's so much equanimity in what you're saying like well oh yeah they're gonna play outside they might go buy a car i mean it's like yeah I, i don't think that's quite it's quite up to the job we have to do as parents yeah jake if we could all like okay we could presuppose that there is a this golden parental mean this this kind of thing that we're aiming for where we build the right walls and we say no to the right things you know there's some things that we say are too dangerous so you just don't do them on the other hand you don't you know kids need to learn to take risks they should learn to climb a tree you know maybe a random branch will snap and they'll die but uh, usually that doesn't happen and so there are places or let's go with the street analogy actually that one's even better like you know, maybe we live by a highway that's just so dangerous that our kids don't ride their bikes. But, you know, if we happen to live by the one that a lot of us live by as kids, then we... Okay, great. I grant that there's a way to do that. But I think what Ben's getting at, what what makes me uncomfortable and what apparently makes Ben uncomfortable is it just seems like you're going to allow so much license when... You, what, what you haven't actually done is given people the wisdom or the discernment in, in, the, in your little spiel to understand when to draw their kids back and when to let them go. You've just said, oh, well, we need to do both things well. And I'm just afraid that that's actually going to allow a lot of license for people to check out, to just let their kids watch whatever. I suggest to you that we know at least as many people who, in the name of building discernment, in the name of being discerning, let themselves and let their kids indulge and engage in all kind of garbage as we do people who are too protective. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's a problem. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to like enumerate all of the places and things that... Let's come up with a list of what kids should and should not be allowed to watch. Let's come up with the perfect definite... Like What you said is, is just garbage. It's just garbage. There is no such thing, in fact, as a perfect way to delineate these things. What we can do is we can call people to have faith, to not give up their discernment and check out, and also to have faith and understand that doesn't matter what lines they draw, where they draw lines, their kids are going to be, they can't ultimately protect their kids. And the goal shouldn't be to keep them safe. 
I don't know what you what more you want. Parents have to make decisions about their own kids. Parents have to be engaged with their own kids. Parents have to exercise their own wisdom about what's best for their kids and when. I mean, all all you've really done is say, don't we need to have discernment about this? And well, okay, I so, can so, come so, back to you and say, yes, what, in fact, that's what I yeah. said. Let's say Amanda doesn't catch Divergent. Yeah. And Peter just reads that. Yeah. And let's say it... Here, okay, I, I realize I'm exaggerating here, but for the purposes of argument, let's let's say it causes Peter a lot of trouble. Let's let's say it, it sets him on a path to sexual debauchery. Let's say it's really bad for him. Whose fault was that? Who should who who was not on their game? Or is this just the kind of thing that happens when we let our kids we can't keep our kids safe. So we need to let them and this is so this is just the collateral damage of doing all the wonderful things that you've been telling us. Okay, if you wanna say that gets through and you want to find somebody to lay blame to, we can trace the blame. Peter should never have picked up that book and when he hit something, he should have stopped. We should check his backpack every single day and show up to his study hall every single day to make sure that he's reading all the right books and nothing that's bad and nothing that's going to corrupt him. And his teachers, they should all be reading every single book that goes into the library. That person that wrote that book... That's an argumentum ad absurdum. You (laughs) always accuse me of using a good form of argumentation, but you use that Latin (laughs) phrase as if that somehow, by waving the Latin around, means that it's a bad argument. That's because you always (laughs) present this false dichotomy where, okay, Nathan, you must be saying that I have to police absolutely everything and watch Peter brush his teeth and make sure that they're brushed and then watch him floss or else I'm not doing... But I never said that you had to do that. What if you just did check his backpack every day? Yeah, I mean, it's it does seem, Jake, like doing one of, not all of the things that you mentioned, which is over the top, but doing one of the things you mentioned in a way that wasn't over the top, that wasn't hysterical or whatever, would have actually solved this. It wouldn't have been left to happenstance, your wife happening to see, oh, what's this? Maybe I heard something about it. It would have been like, I don't know, Peter. Hey, remember that if you yes. don't know what a book is, just ask the librarian about it and, and, and she'll tell you. And, and if, if there's something she doesn't know about, she'll look it up. But that's just like a tiny, that's just a little thing where Peter is actually self-policing. So you taught him discernment and... Jake, I really think what you're advocating in many ways is defeatist. I mean, can't, <laughs> can't, no, can't we actually put, this is what Ben's talking about. Can't we actually put systems in place that protect Peter? And, and shouldn't we be putting those systems in place? Yes and no. That's the whole point. Here's the system. The system is, I have a good, strong Christian school with good administration and good teachers. We're actually fairly vigilant about what our kids are reading. And the fact is, the library was still populated with some trash, and he still came home with it. And we were able, we saw it, we checked into it in God's kindness, and that's great. But the fact is, at any point, no matter what the system you create, what system you create, what series of checks and balances, there's always a place where it's going to break down. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have controls and checks in place. It just means you need to know that there's going to be some place where it can break down. And so, okay, we'll, we'll impose a We'll check the backpack every day. Okay, well, what if he doesn't bring it home? What if he reads it at study hall? Okay, we'll go to study hall every day. Well, you need to teach him to ask. Okay, what if the teacher doesn't know? Or what if the teacher doesn't have the kind of discernment that we have? Oh, we'll go and talk to all the teachers and make sure they know our standards for all of our kids. You know, like, at what point does it stop? You know, that's where we started earlier. The point at which you've protected your son. Let's, yeah, yeah, uh (laughs) uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. So so we'll we'll build a we'll build a little abbey and we'll sterilize our the the whole environment from all sin. There'll be no outwork well there'll be nothing but a Bible, you know, basics of food. And we'll all be there. But, but, and you but know again, what ha- will happen? We'll still be there, so there will still be sin, and the, there will still be opportunity. But again, nobody is calling for Peter to be a bubble boy with a Bible. Yes, Wh- you are. No. I am saying, let's have a little grace for the parents out there that want to put the maximum amount of controls in place in a reasonable way. Not the parents that want to put their kids in a bubble, but if if they did want to do five things, you know, we check the backpack, we talk to the teachers, we do this. I'm just afraid those people are going to listen to this episode and they're going to think, oh, I guess it was dumb of me. I, I actually need to be letting my kids learn. No, quote, if unquote, they listen to this episode and heard it's dumb of me to put these things in place, then they're retarded because no, at no point has anybody said anything remotely close to that except for you guys being absurd. I mean, that's just the fact. And I don't care what you say about it. Like, that's just it. At no point. Has anybody said anything like that? At no point have I said that. If they want to put in those checks, that's fine. But guess what? There's still going to be places where their kids come into contact with sinful things and they can't protect them no matter what points they have and what checkpoints they have in place. Put in protections, put in checks and balances. I just Great. think when I when I think about the but Bible, I think about things like- You have to have faith like- at the end of the day. And if you don't have faith, if your goal is to keep your kids safe, you have the wrong goal. And if you don't have faith for them to come across bad things- then you don't have faith because you can't protect them from everything. And you, even if you could, you can't protect them from themselves. I just think the Bible talks a lot about faith, but it also talks a lot about like teach a child the way that he should go, bind the law on his forehead, train up a child in the way he should. I mean, like there's a lot to commend the parent who is taking the maximum amount of care to make sure that their child is able to grow and thrive in godliness. And it feels like you're being a little bit blasé about all that. You are just asserting that it feels blasé because you want this episode to go on longer. (laughs) Like, there is... (laughs) (laughs) You're not accusing our devil's advocacy of being a little dishonest and stupid, are you? Yes, I am. Oh. Oh, well. Well, okay. All right, end of Devil's Advocacy segment, sort of. Where I'm speaking as Nathan now, and Ben, you, uh-huh, you may speak sure. as Ben. Here is the thing. I know that our Devil's Advocacy segment was stupid, and that we were saying really obvious arguments, and yet I don't think we were being unrepresentative of the way that many, 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 many parents feel. I think that there actually are people that will hear but your that's the whole. that's and, the whole point of the episode. If you're the kind of person who thinks that you can put enough controls in and you just need more controls and the answer is always more controls, you are wrong. At some point, it's going to break down. It is an argumentum ad absurdum, which is a valid argument. And it's right. At some point, it breaks down. You can go all the way back. But unless you can build a time machine and go back and keep Adam from eating the fruit, you cannot protect your kids. You can't do it. All right. So the whole point of what what Jake is saying is... There's actually one point in there, which uh, you stated it negatively. You can't protect your kids, but the other side of the coin is what? It's the other thing that I've been saying. You have to have faith that God protects your kids yeah. and that you you can't just freak out about everything. You have to have faith for God to protect your kids and for them to grow. 
and for them to grow through the sins that they commit and the sins that are committed against them and the sins that they encounter in the world. That's just part of it. And that's not saying that you check out. It's not saying that you allow them to run through filth. It's just saying if you think that the goal of your parenting is to keep them absolutely safe, you're wrong. You can't do it. You're going to fail. And you're not going to equip those kids to deal with the sins that they encounter in the world because you're so busy trying to protect them from them that you've never actually helped them be strong or wise or discerning when they come across them. Well, okay, so how do I know the difference as a parent between a good control that's godly and helping protect them and a bad control that's just about my lack of faith? And again, I think the answer to that is it's not easy to define. The Bible doesn't give you a blueprint for all the controls that you need to have in place. It depends on the circumstances of your life and your kids and who they are and what they need. And you have to have faith as a parent to take steps to place controls to protect your kids. And you have to have faith to know that, you know what, at the end of the day, that really doesn't matter how many controls you place. It's a wicked world and they have wicked hearts and they're going to have wicked friends and their teachers are going to have their own wickednesses. And you have your own wickednesses that you bring and introduce to, and you're not clean. You've got to navigate it all by faith with discernment, which is to say with wisdom. There's no clear path. There's no blueprints. They're just some principles. The principle is not keep your kids safe and in a bubble with a Bible. The principle is to train your child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. Teach these commandments to him night and day. But at the end of the day, you have to teach your kid to be in the world and not of it. And it doesn't mean that you let them watch whatever's on TV or read whatever they find in the school library or the public library. But it does mean that you recognize that they've got to learn how to interact with these things as mature Christians. And as they mature, there should be some parallel maturation with their ability to interact with the world and the things in this world that you're cultivating so that when they leave your home, they're not completely unprepared because mommy's not there to hold their hand and control everything that goes in. Yeah, maybe the other side of this that's difficult to deal with is that, but you know, it's it's an obvious thing to say, but it is hard, is that God is sovereign and kids do die and kids do fall away from the faith. God does work covenantally and he does work from generation to generation and he does make promises and he does work through godly parenting, train up a child in the way that he should go and he will not depart from it. But you can't control for God's sovereignty and his will will be done. All right, one more question, Jake. Me and Ben, people, if our listeners don't know, are smiling as we come up, make these absurd devil's advocates arguments. Mm-hmm. But it obviously, I think our listeners are also going to be able to tell it made you sort of mad. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, the per- kind of person that you were representing was simply a person who refused to hear and listen to the actual words that were being said. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, there's nothing for that person but to get smashed against the rock of their pride. Well, and I think maybe one of the things that's so infuriating is that you've been around the block now as a pastor and a father and a person enough to see people not just make shipwrecked of themselves. But of their kids. But of their kids. Mm. Of their whole families. Mm. 
Yeah, and they're the same kind of smug person who refuses to hear anything that you're saying for what you're saying. They know exactly what is right for their family. They're going to judge you for the places where you don't do what they do. They're the, they're the ones who are blithe and blithely allowing their kids to be corrupted mm-hmm. by themselves, by their own wicked hearts, and by the world. Yeah. What I heard and what I was saying, what, what I thought was probably also making you mad, I mean, this is part of what you're saying, but is it's a refusal to live by faith. Yeah. It is a refusal everybody wants, to say to God, Everybody okay. wants to have just a control. Uh, the, they want to control things and they want to be able to shut off their discernment and to never have to live by faith. If I just homeschool, my kids will be okay. If I just this, if we just don't watch this, if we don't Yeah, just and then do what they this. do is they call those decisions their faith, their act of faith. But that's just because you made it. Just because you made a decision that required sacrifice, a little bit of sacrifice, doesn't mean that you're living by faith. It's actually just classic Pharisaicalism. It's just classic. If I do this and this and this, then I'm right before God. It's I'm going to build the hedge around the law, right? right? And if I build the hedge wide enough around the law, then God will be obligated to honor me because I've stayed within the hedge. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. God says, don't work on the Sabbath. I'm going to measure it all out. I'm going to, I'm going to go so far that I know that I will never, and I've missed the spirit of the law. Right. I have to, t- I'm going to tithe. I've got to tithe. Absolute. I have to tithe my spice cabinet. And God isn't mocked. So those are the sorts of people that inevitably make shipwreck of their faith and destroy their children. I mean, God is kind and we're all hypocrites, but God is not impressed that you'd put up the five controls. And oftentimes those are the very people that just get destroyed if, if 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 they don't repent. Yeah, well it's like oh, you've got it figured out. You've got the you you know where the perfect line actually is. Yeah. God is not mocked. If you think what you're going to do is set up the perfect line, God will destroy your perfect line and everything that has to do with it. And it's why there are Christians out there that are you know that are more naive and not as discerning as you who have done a better job of raising healthy, God-fearing kids. Mm-hmm. And their kids have been exposed to all kinds of stuff. But at the end of the day, they were living by faith and trying to train their kids. And the principle of teach a child the way that he should go was there. Yep. And they may have done it sloppy and may not have had as many controls as you, but they never put their faith in their controls. They put their faith in God and they thought their kids to do the same thing. I'm not saying that you should just <laughs> drop all your controls. Yeah. I'm just saying that if you don't have faith, it doesn't matter what your controls are. And anybody who hears anything in this episode as an excuse to be a hedonist with unruly, undisciplined kids is dumb. Dumb, yeah. (laughs) The word I used is one that makes Nathan very uncomfortable. They are the opposite of tarted. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Well, well, well. If it isn't Lance Redford. I thought I smelled dead old fish, Walter. Here to find a movie, are we, Lance? Gonna get a movie? Just gonna get a movie. Not gonna let these idiots uh, get to me, no siree. Oh, Lance, you haven't even said hi to us yet? That's unfriendly, Lance. You hate everyone, and everyone hates you, Lance? At least the rest of us have a good reason, Lance. Uh, fellas, I ain't taking the bait, so just leave me alone. And too bad you didn't say that when you rubbed yourself with dead fish, Lance. You smell like dead fish, Lance. Nope, I ain't taking the bait. Just taking the fish bait, Lance. Looking for some family entertainment, Lance? Heading for the lowest common denominator per usual, Lance? 
Uh, well, actually, I'm I'm getting one for the wife and me, and a different one for the kids this time, as if, as if you cared. Let me guess, Lance. Return of Jafar for the kids, and Aladdin and the King of Thieves for the wife and you? Maybe you and your wife could even handle Lady and the Tramp, Lance? But I think the messaging might be a little hard for you to understand, Lance. A little too much ambiguity, Lance. A walnut has too much ambiguity for you, Lance? Are you supposed to eat the outside, Lance? Or the inside, Lance? Nobody knows, Lance. Certainly not you, Lance. Right, I... I'm just getting a movie for, uh... Don't want to overload the old gray matter, Lance? Maybe you just need some Ewoks, Lance. And some explosions, Lance. Boom, squeak, bang, Lance. Boom, squeak, bang, Lance. What are you guys even talking about? I didn't... I didn't come here for Star Wars. Gary, tell him we were talking metaphorically. We were talking metaphorically, Lance. I don't know if you ever do that, Lance. You may not even know what that is, Lance. Maybe you read a dictionary sometime, Lance. You probably don't know what a dictionary is, Lance. It's a book with words, Lance. Words like metaphor, Lance. I'll give you guys a metaphor. You're like the worst uh, headache that ever existed. Or... Uh, That was a simile, Lance? I guess you actually don't know what a metaphor is, Lance. You're shocking me, Lance. You're shocking us both, Lance. Uh, I'm just trying to find, like, Shawshank Redemption or something for me and the wife and something else for the kids, like that Paddington movie, or... Can you just leave me alone let me go find these movies myself? Shawshank Redemption, Lance? Another adaptation from the oeuvre of that hack Stephen King, Lance? Tasteless mainstream parable of so-called redemption, Lance? A little bit of sentimental hogwash for the masses, Lance? This is what you and your wife watch together, Lance? Tisk tisk, Lance. Get busy living or get ready trying. <laughs> Don't watch good cinema, Lance. You know, I'm trying to remember the part where I asked for your opinion. I don't think I did. I didn't ask for your opinion because I don't care about your opinion, okay? Let me get my movie and go. We understand, Lance. The only opinion you care about is the one in your fortune cookie, Lance. Good thing you buy them in bulk, Lance. From Sam's Club, Lance? Hate interacting with actual Chinese people, do we, Lance? I can think of a couple white people I hate interacting with. Now, where is Shawshank Redemption? Can you just please point me in the right direction? Really, Lance? Why don't you let us recommend something better, Lance? Because if you need some great children's entertainment, Lance... Then we have the movie for you, Lance. This is a movie about thinking for yourself, Lance. What you ought to learn how to do, Lance. If your kids are anything like you, Lance... Then this movie might be a push in the right direction, Lance. Towards critical thought, Lance. Towards any kind of thought, Lance. Towards basic sentience, Lance? What? Why? Uh, fine. Just tell me what it is. What is What is this extraordinary, super fantastic piece of genius children's cinema that you're ready to recommend? It's entitled Divergent, Lance. Divergent, as in it's a movie about that quality of separating oneself from the mainstream, Lance. Which we always try to do, Lance. And we succeed, Lance. And look where we are, Lance. We're right here, Lance. We're right here, Lance. Isn't that that one movie based on that kid's book about that dystopian society? Whoa, big words, Lance. Slow down, Lance. We can't keep up with you when you form sentences of that complexity, Lance. Sounds like someone's been through a high school lit class, Lance. Is that true, Lance? Did you go to high school, Lance? That's the big building where you learn things, Lance. Once you graduate from elementary school, Lance. So maybe not for you, Lance. Look here, I... I I don't know that that's really what I want my kids watching. I, I kind of read through that book, and I mean, there was 
Wasn't there kind of a rape scene? Like what? Good thinking, Lance. They should watch a movie about a cartoon bear and his misadventures in London instead, Lance. I'm sure it will teach them a lot about life, Lance. Things they never learned from you, Lance. How to breathe with their mouths closed, Lance. How to walk upright, Lance. How to chew food, Lance. Hi, fellas. Hi, Lance. Hi, Hi Chip. Chip. You got that one movie for me I asked for? The uh, the turquoise smile, I believe it was. <laughs> oh, Chip, that is a funny mix-up. Very funny. It's the Green Mile, Chip. And, of course, we have it for you, Chip. Oh, great. I love prison movies about redemption and justice. Doesn't everyone, Chip? They're heartwarming, Chip. And Michael Clark Duncan gives his best performance, Chip. He really gives it his all, Chip. Besides, it's a Stephen King adaptation, Chip. Master storyteller, Chip. A real wordsmith, Chip. He writes pure gold, Chip. Banger Maine's answer to Shakespeare, Chip. Because he was born in Banger Maine, Chip. Well, thanks, fellas. All I got is this handful of bennies. I hope it's enough. It's more than enough, Chip. It's like being in a Frank Capra film, Chip. How can we ever repay you, Chip? Well, I, I don't know. Take this movie, too, Chip. It's called Paddington, Chip. It's about a British bear, Chip. Now, hey, now wait a minute. You can take this copy of The Shawshank Redemption as well, Chip. A little more justice and redemption for you, Chip. Thanks, fellas. See you later. Bye, Bye Chip. Chip. Ah! Sound of Sanity, produced by me, executive produced by Jake and me, associate performed, <laughs> uh. associate produced by Benjamin Solzer. Until next time, folks, stay sane. Stay sane.